Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Okay, today is June 30th. Uh, kind of in the dog days of summer right now. Not a whole lot to talk about in the sports world, but uh, still a good show coming up. We got Bill Dennison uh, from Cincinnati. Going to talk some Reds with him. Uh, upcoming Bengal season. Uh, one of the most exciting sports team or sports cities to watch right now, uh, Cincinnati. So we'll we'll talk to him. Give us some great insight into all that. Um, but we'll t- we'll start with the NFL gambling scandals that have been coming out recently. Uh, NFL always keeping it interesting, even when nothing is going on. Um, yeah, so just a report came out: four players suspended this season uh, for gambling violations. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, guys. Just what are your overall impressions? Do you kind of think the uh, NFL is doing a bad job of being transparent with the players about what to expect and you know what? you know what to do and what not to do or do you think uh just telling them no gambling uh period is 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 enough to have them stop gambling i mean what what are your thoughts in general with all this i think it's unfair treatment for the players um i know that they're just promoting gambling all over the place especially in the nfl and and professional sports wise but I think that's the new league's business partner is the FanDuel's, the DraftKings of this world. Um, I do think that the players should be more, I mean, should they place more bets? No, not really. But I think Mm -hmm. that the league should come up with a more transparent solution to this gambling for the players, even for the fans, and even for the owners themselves. I know it's, it's the big moneymaker with the gambling, but I think that the players should be they they, it should be it should be fair you should not suspend players for gambling on games at least there should be more transparency and there should be more solution to this nfl has a deal with uh fandle DraftKings, caesars all of them i think it's like one billion dollars in general uh yeah for how much they get and the players and people don't really know this the players do actually get uh revenue from this deal as well but um, players still obviously have the tendency to want to bet on games. I don't, I don't really blame them. Really what it is is players are allowed to bet on games outside the NFL as long as they're outside the facilities. Staffs actually cannot bet on games at all, I'm pretty sure is what it is. I don't yeah, staffs can't. Yeah, even like non-NFL, right, Zach? Uh, right, they, sorry. They, they just can't bet one yeah, at all. But I think the biggest problem right now, and Zach, I want to get your thoughts on this, is I think the players are saying that there's not enough transparency with the NFL. The NFL is not really coming out clear enough as to what's allowed, what's not allowed. And most importantly, they're not being clear on what the discipline is going to be if they are to uh, break the law and gamble. Yeah, that's a, it's not breaking the law anymore yeah. either because it's legal. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen a few players get six game suspensions. We've seen some indefinite suspensions. And look, you, of course, you can't make this up either. The Super Bowl this year, where is it? Las Vegas. What do they do in Vegas? They gamble. And Gambling capital t- of the world. <laughs> you're telling me that some of these NFL owners aren't going to be going out there putting a few bucks on NBA games or, you know, NHL games would be around that time too. Like, I, I think players, there needs to be transparency. There needs to be a set of like, okay, this is what you're allowed to do. This is what you're not allowed to do. And by the way, like the whole, you can't gamble in the facility. It's okay to do it outside the facility in the car, but you can't do it on the training table. What are we talking about? Like what difference does it make? It it makes no difference as far as I'm concerned. I do think that there has to be some sort of integrity as far as NFL players don't bet on NFL games, especially in games involving your team. You know, Isaiah Rogers, cornerback for the Colts, bet on a Colts game, bet on over-under on Jonathan Taylor rushing yards. That can be deemed as, you know, compromising the integrity of the game in some way. But I don't care if guys want to bet on NBA games. I don't care if they want to bet on NHL games. For that matter, I don't really care if, you know, some guy in the Colts wants to bet on the Bengals-Chiefs game. That He has no involvement with the game whatsoever. It makes no difference to me. And all these pearl clutchers that are talking about, oh, I'm never going to be able to watch an NFL game, see a guy drop a pass and wonder if he's in on it. Like, no, sometimes a guy just has bad hands. Like, get over it. This is not going to be a big deal long term. The NFL needs to do a better job with transparency with players and 
you know, these guys should not be getting suspended this long for gambling when the NFL is in bed with gambling companies. They got the Super Bowl in Vegas. It all just comes across as completely hypocritical all the way around. Yeah, NCAA actually just came out this week. Uh, I know a lot of the a lot of the players in the Players Association are kind of asking them to replicate this, the NFL that is. Uh, and NCAA basically came out this week being very clear on what's allowed and what's not allowed and particularly like what the punishment's going to be if the players do end up gambling on games. Uh, so I think that's what the players are really asking for right now. They just want to – I think Goodell is basically just saying don't gamble and the players and the Players Associations and all their agents are – coming out and saying that's not good enough. We just want to have more uh, transparency on like what to expect and what's actually not allowed. Uh, it's interesting. It's not collective bargaining. Uh, so when a player does gamble, uh, they actually like Goodell can pretty much make any punishment that he wants. Uh, no collective bargaining basically just means that the players and their agents can't actually debate or uh you know, bargain what the punishment's going to be. So Goodell basically has free reign to do whatever he wants to these players when they do, when they do gamble. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I agree, Zach. It's not going to be a long-term uh, problem. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I think a lot of the players are trying to be sly and having their uh, friends and family bet on games for them. But uh, it's it's still with all the regulations and uh, geolocating and everything else that happens. It's it's not enough and. The NFL is still ultimately able to figure out who's gambling on what games. Uh, other sports news, NBA trade happened last week, or NBA draft, excuse me, happened last week. We can kind of get into that. Uh, I would love to hear your guys' initial thoughts on that. We, uh, Wembenyama went number one overall, of course, to the Spurs. Um, any other surprises, though, from the draft, guys, that you might have seen uh, You know, last uh, last week? Maybe a little bit of a surprise is that uh, Brandon Miller was picked number two instead of Scoot Henderson. By the way, to tie it back to gambling, a lot of people were upset with Shams because he put out there that Scoot was such a big favor, so people bet on that, and Shams works with FanDuel, so a lot of people think there might be some compromising position there. Um, but no, I, Scoot Henderson's a guy that I think a lot of people said in most other drafts would have been the number one pick because he's explosive. He can get to the basket, can score with relative ease. And instead, Brandon Miller ended up being the number two pick. And, you know, Brandon Miller, we all know about his off-the-court stuff. We know about, you know, him saying Paul George is the, the GOAT. And, you know, I'm gonna we're going to be in the finals next year with the Hornets. Like, uh, some of his statements <laughs> led to some character concerns. Um, but I, I think that was the biggest surprise of the draft to me. And the other big thing, guys, the death of centers in college basketball, like top three of the top centers, uh, Sudogo from UConn, Drew Timmy, and Oscar Sheepway. These are all household names in college basketball. None of these guys got drafted. And we've come a long way from the days where college basketball was dominant over the D League and overseas plays, and where centers were dominant. So the two big takeaways for me are that the center position is kind of dying as far as, you know, yes, Jokic is the best player in the league and all that kind of stuff, but you, you've got to have – a multitude of skill sets to be a dominant center these days. And college basketball, as we know, it may not, is it the best platform for these guys? It always was for a lot of years. You know, you could always sell, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament, playing in the Big Ten, playing in the SEC. I don't know that they're doing that now. Maybe it's better for these guys to go to the G League or to go to overseas because that those are the guys getting drafted right now. And that's why we talked about last year with college basketball, real lack of star power. Well, it showed up in this draft. Yeah, I think it's the true center that's really not a thing yeah. anymore. I, the centers are definitely still a thing, but the, the, the true center, like the, the shacks and all of them, the the big the big boy manhandling centers that you used to see back in the day are no longer a thing. NBA is a lot more spacious now. People are spaced out a lot more. It's a lot more emphasis on shooting, playmaking, and more just like fluidity. And that's why Jokic is so good because he's big, but also can do all those things like we talked about in previous uh, episodes and especially, you know, after they won, after they won the finals, uh, he was a big part of that. But I'm, I actually think Jamie Jack, uh, Jack was from uh, uh, UCLA going to the Miami heat. I think that was actually a surprise pick that a lot of people are not really talking about. I think he's going to do a lot of things for the heat. I loved him at UCLA. I think he was great uh, in the, in, in March madness and a couple years ago. And I, I really do think he has some explosive ability and his mentality too, just being older, being, mature and just being a gritty player, I think it's going to really mesh well with the Heat organization. I think he's going to actually start contrib contributing um, year one for the Heat. I'm, I'm really happy to see them and it's going yeah. to help them, you know, maybe even get back to the finals next year. 
Yeah, who's going to be the next undrafted guy who turns into a star for the Heat? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Justin, how about you? What are your initial thoughts on the draft? Not too surprising, uh, but I will say taking Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson was the one surprise, but not a lot of big splashes, that's for sure, uh, coming from the draft. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this couple, I know, Jack, you already mentioned the Charlotte Hornets, uh, mm-hmm. what, what they got into. And yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, but Cam Whitmore, also at number 20, I think he uh, was a steal. Uh, has some health issues, and we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think he was also a steal. It's NBA draft is so hard for me, and I mentioned it before in the show. It's it's just such a crapshoot sometimes. You get these players, you know, number two, number three, number four, number five overall that end up being bust, and then you get these players, number 41 overall, like Jokic, that end up becoming the best players in the league. So it it's kind of just – I'm more of a wait-and-see kind of guy than overreact to you know the first week or two after the draft. I just kind of want to wait and see what they can do. And then, uh, you know, debate them when they actually are playing the game and not even before they've touched a uh, NBA court. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to uh, makers and fakers of the week. Uh, Justin, who's your maker of the week? My maker of the week is Jason Kelsey, Philadelphia Eagles center. Being a man of the people, raising $380,000 for the Eagles Autism Foundation, also chugging some beers down at Sea Isle City on the shore, on the Jersey Shore, with uh, with the fans, with personalities on the radio, obviously in Philadelphia. But uh, Jason Kelsey is is a heck of a maker. He's a man of the people, especially in the Philadelphia region, in the Philadelphia area for the Eagles organization. He is my maker of the week. Zach, who is your maker of the week? It's got to be Domingo Herman, doesn't it? The man who threw the 24th perfect game in Major League history. And this is a guy whose career record is 31 and 26, 440 ERA. This is the kind of stuff that only happens in baseball, where a journeyman for one day plays as well as any human possible can. It's like imagine a mid tier NBA player scoring 70 points in a game. It just doesn't happen. But it happens all the time in baseball. It was a dominant performance. And, yes, it was the Oakland A's. But you go perfect against any major league franchise. That is an incredible accomplishment. One of the all-time greatest pitch games, obviously, in the history of baseball. And for a guy that nobody saw this coming from him at all. Uh, His season has not been all that great. But on Wednesday night, he was perfect. No pun intended. I'm going to go to the NHL draft this week for my makers and fakers. Specifically, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Flyers for my makers. They picked up the clear number two best player outside of Bedard this year in the NHL draft. They picked up Matvey Mishkov, number seven overall uh, this year's NHL draft. The boy can skate. The boy can shoot. He can pass even better than he can shoot. And overall, he's going to be one of the best players out of this draft. The only reason that he went so far down in the draft was because he still has a contract overseas for three more years. And he plays in Russia, so there's a lot of concerns with him being able to come over after his contract is done with all the fighting that is going on with Ukraine right now. But overall, if all said and done, he is able to come over to America. He's going to be such an explosive player. It actually might even be end up better than Bedard when it's all said and done. Uh, I think he was a steal at number seven. I think a lot of people are saying that he could have been the clear number one if it wasn't for Bedard in this year's draft class. He's very similar to Scoot Henderson as in he would have been the number one player picked in the draft if it wasn't for a lifetime generational talent coming into the same draft class. So overall, Flyers, my makers of the week, they won this draft outside of the Chicago Blackhawks, and he's going to be a great addition to the Flyers when he does finally come over in three years. Uh, Zach, who is your faker of the week? Mm, Faker of the week. It's a little tough to do a faker this week because nobody really stunk, but I'm going to get it to James Harden because he's asking out of another. It's going to looks like he's going to be traded yet again. You know, this is about the third or fourth straight offseason that there's drama or surrounding James Harden. I think he's a phenomenal player. Nobody can dispute that. But when has James Harden ever made anybody better around him? When has he ever won anything of significance? When's the finals once in 2012 with Thunder, but he was the sixth man on that team. And now we're seeing what's happening with the Sixers. They're going to blow that thing up. They haven't even gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, I, I, you could just throw the Sixers in this as much as you want to throw James Harden in this because 
they trust the process. Yeah, the process has an expiration date, and that's the second round of the playoffs. This is a franchise that can't get out of their own way. They've had two of the great players in the league. At one point, they had uh, Jimmy Butler on their squad, let him go. They ruined Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons did it to himself as well. And Joel Embiid is a great regular season guy who doesn't perform in the playoffs. And now that situation is going to be blown up. James Harden's probably going to be a Clipper, uh, Nick, something along those lines. But the Philadelphia 76ers go down as the fakers. I'm officially giving it to the Sixers, not James Harden. It's not just James Harden's fault. It's the Sixers' fault because they have ruined that entire organization. The process, the decision-making that they've had, It don't trust the process. Mm-hmm. Zach, all right, Justin, how about your take, faker of the week? Well, it is it's it is tough to do a faker this week, that's for sure. But uh, I think that the I, I think that the I think that the the Zach takers Zach takers <laughs> no, no, did Zach take yours? Your faker? Yeah, <laughs> well, pretty much. Anyway, it, it was a, it's a tough you, one. You can give it to Harden. You can just single him yeah. out. If you yeah, yeah. Zach, you got Sixers, and Justin, you got Harden. There you go. Harden. Just a drama queen all the way around. (laughs) But uh, I do think that the Sixers are going to do the right thing by moving on from him and hopefully blowing up the team. And Nick Nurse, I think, is a good coach for them in the long run, especially if they trade Harden and even Embiid. They trade him for assets. They trade him for young players. I think Nick Nurse could actually be – uh, the right coach for this for this organization. I'm going to go for my faker of the week. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to keep it in the NHL draft if it happened later this week. Trades is my faker of the week. For the first time in two, since 2007, there were no trades during the first round of the NHL uh, draft. A lot of this has to do with I, the draft was very uh, deep this year, uh, especially in the first round. So a lot of teams didn't think that they had to trade. Uh, up or down for that matter and also the salary cap every single year for the NHL keeps getting more and more stingy so a lot of the teams felt handicapped that they really can't do many things with the salary cap restrictions that they have that the NHL tightens up every single year so I thought that was interesting no trades this year for the first time since 2007 uh, in the first round of the NHL draft uh, like I said salary cap concerns and talent only continues to get better and better every single year so I expect that trend to keep going on uh, as the NHL draft continues each and every year. And it's going to be a trend that we see uh, long-term to come. Okay. Well, great interview coming up. Bill Dennison uh, from the Cincinnati, uh, from 700 WLW in Cincinnati sports reporter for that station. Going to talk some great things about the Reds, their amazing run that they have, uh, their chances for the playoffs, the Bengals, what their expectations are next year. And just overall the, Uh, culture of uh, Cincinnati sports as uh, we head into the summer and then into the fall with the Bengals. Uh, So without further ado, here is Bill Dennison. Okay, we now head to the Queen City to talk some baseball and maybe some Bengals with Bill Dennison, sports reporter for 700 WLW in Cincinnati. Bill, the Reds are one of the most exciting teams right now to watch, uh, even when they're losing. Uh, with the NL Central being so bad as it is, probably the worst it's been in years, do the Reds have a legitimate chance of actually making the playoffs this year? Uh, Jared, you said it correctly. Uh, the uh, No one has taken over in this division, and that is a very good thing because uh, last year I think the Reds were 25 games under 500 at the All-Star break, and it was, it was like, is the manager going to stay and uh, half the team was going to get traded, and uh, which some of them did. And, uh, but this year, I don't know what has happened, but, uh, you know, when they went on that, uh, 11 or 12 game win streak there, it was, uh, it was like, you know, it was news, uh, last Saturday that they lost and then they lost another one Sunday. Then they lost another one Monday in Baltimore. And you would have thought, you know, this, t- this town would have been, uh, was going crazy because they lost had been so much been, but I tell you what, the, the, uh, the, the infusion of, uh, Ailey De La Cruz uh, Andrew Abbott and um, uh, Matt McLean and others have uh, totally just it, it's it's like a it's like a blood uh, transfusion that the Reds got when they and and everybody knew for for a year or two this group was coming but now they're here and it's just I mean Ellie De La Cruz could run for uh, mayor and governor and win in a landslide but I mean all the all of them could but it's it's remarkable what they've done uh, the past uh, couple of weeks. It really is. Yeah, let's get into L.A. De La Cruz because, I mean, yeah. 
I work, excuse me, I work in Louisville, so he played for the Louisville, uh, the baseball team, the AAA team, and you could just tell right, right. away this guy's enthusiasm and yeah. the fact that he can run the bases, he hits the ball incredibly well. Get into, like, just basically the, the vibe that he's brought to this team, the emotion that he's brought to this team, because it seems like they've completely taken off since he's joined the roster, since he hit that 450-foot home run on his very yeah. first uh, yeah. at-bat, you know, that whole yeah. family. Uh, get into yeah. uh, what he's brought to this team outside of just the fact that they're winning games. Well, he's brought excitement. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've been down there a few times to see him, and I didn't know he would – I mean, I, he's six foot five. He's like a – He's like a, a power forward playing uh, shortstop and third base for the Reds. And he has just brought an infusion of excitement to him. And, and, and he's got, and you know, you know, you got, you have seen him in Louisville and you saw that what those, what he has done in Louisville. And then yeah. there, there was been so much anticipation for De La Cruz, for McLean, for Abbott and these guys here that uh, you know, that once they got up here, everybody knew about them and they haven't, they haven't stopped the excitement since they they took their first batter through their first ball. I mean, De, LA De La Cruz is uh, is spectacular. Every time he comes to the plate, he gets like a you know a standing ovation. And like I said, he has brought energy, he's brought enthusiasm, he's brought uh, baseball uh, back here because uh, you know I mean if if uh, you know the I I might um, uh, uh, go with him, uh, kind of compare him to like when they got Deion Sanders a few years ago. Deion Sanders would get on ba- would would walk or get a single, and two minutes later he'd be at third base and then scoring. That's how I mean. Ellie De La Cruz is not uh, not scared out there to hit a single and turn it into a double, or go from first to third on a on a single to right or left. I mean, it doesn't make any difference. And and he he's str- he's got a fast he's got a huge stride and he's so quick. And he, and he actually, I think he's got about three or four infield hits that were either right right back to the pitcher or near the pitcher, and there's no way they got him. So he, he's he's done a remarkable job. He's not the same kind of player, but is it similar to when Joe Burrow came to the Bengals and re, it reinvigorated that organization? I agree with that wholeheartedly, yes. I mean, right now, right now, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow is the man. I mean, he's going to. He's going to get his contract. Every you know, he's not going anywhere. Believe me, uh, they'll have to. They'll, they'll have to. Uh, they'll they'll go to the U.S. government to get money if they have to keep him. But uh, they they will. Uh, Joe Burrow. But you're right. I mean, Joe Burrow brought a brought an enthusiasm, brought an energy to this town of being the number one pick and what he has done, what he had done in uh, at LSU, and uh, he's never quit. And and L.A.D. La Cruz is is about the same way. And with all these other young guys that the Reds have now, and then, you know, everybody was griping that, you know, when Joey Votto came back, uh, you know, it's like, well, he's going to mess up the lineup. Well, he hasn't. And I mean, I think he has gotten an, an energy and enthusiasm from these young guys in his final year with the Reds that, uh, that everything is clicking now. But the thing of it is boys that, you know, they're doing this now, but, and, and their pitching staff's a mess. I mean, really, basically, it's a mess. I mean, they just got Graham Ashcraft back about a week ago. Uh, they will not have – they have been without um, uh, Hunter Green and also Nick Lodolo now for almost two months, and those two guys aren't back until August. So that's what I'm saying, that the rest of the the rest of the division is kind of – everybody's kind of bunched up. Nobody's taken off like a Tampa Bay or something because the Reds would be 15 out by now, but uh, – you know they they've just went on that that win streak and it it's been incredible. Do you think if the Reds win the division, they have a chance to maybe make some noise in the National League playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think so because that that the, the um, that series last weekend in Atlanta had that had that playoff vibe because you had the 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 Braves playing so well and they were the East leaders and the Reds were in first place. And uh, that game was Friday night where they won 11 to 10. I mean, that was it was playoff atmosphere all weekend long. And and the Reds were a hit away from Saturday's win, and they were a hit away from Sunday of maybe sweeping the Braves. And and I think that a lot of people would say, you know what, if they get in the playoffs and they play Atlanta, they could go at these guys toe to toe and and not have a problem at all. But I think you're right. I think that uh, you know this team has got speed. If if they can get Lodolo and and Green back along with the, with these other guys, and then maybe make a deal at the, at the, uh, you know, here coming up on the, at the break, 
from maybe getting another starting pitcher or two, um, then I think uh, Cincinnati might be in business. Yeah, you mentioned the pitching, uh, just how bad it is for Cincinnati right now. Do you, do you right. expect Cincinnati to kind of go all in this season, like during the trade deadline, or do you? Yeah, I, I think I think so. I, I yeah, I I keep hearing that um, maybe uh, uh, Zach they, they may uh, do some something with Zach Greinke out of uh, out of Kansas City. I think he's nine and two career wise against Cincinnati. Uh, there's also a couple of Cubs pitchers that have been rumored to, uh, be maybe on the, on the, on the block, but I, I see the Reds doing something because, uh, they have to, they have to get at least one more starter in here until they can, uh, get, um, uh, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo back and put them in back into the rotation. And, uh, and then we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think they're, they're definitely, they're not going to be sellers. They're going to be buyers. They, uh, Nick Kroll said that last week that uh, they're going to they're going to look they're looking for somebody to uh, to add they're not going to subtract us and i mean for years everybody you know they every, at this point of the year everybody the past few years is going to be like well this guy's going to go that guy's going to go half the roster is going to go and then they're going to call these kids up and then they'll play the rest of the season and see what happens in that hundred loss season but they're not going to lose a hundred this year boys i can i can tell you that unless it totally collapses yeah, ERA over five right now. Uh, I think they're right. the fourth most hits allowed in the league. Uh, fifth worst opponents batting average allowed. Uh, fourth worst whip. So yeah, I mean it's it they, they get, get their pitching under control for sure to to make any kind of run in the playoffs. Do they have a deep pitching lineup though, or is it mostly just the starting pitchers that's the problem? Uh, this it's it's just the starters. Uh, you know that that you know the only real starter they have right now is uh, Graham Ashcraft, who I said came back last Saturday against Atlanta and uh and now it's uh it's Ben Lively it's uh Luke Weaver it's uh people like this they've been calling guys up left and right pitching wise uh the bullpen is solid I mean the bullpen has done a great job over the past month or so uh led by Alexis Diaz who might be a uh you know he he's probably going to be uh there's probably going to be some teams calling the Reds about Alexis Diaz because I think he's up to 13 or 14 or something like that around there saves or maybe even more now. Uh, but uh, he is, you know, I think he might be, he might be one to, to, you know, be sought after as, as see what, but right now I think the reds are may, may just stay pat. I mean, I don't think they're unless some kind of, you know, unless they get Alexis Diaz for like Justin Verlander or Mark or Max Scherzer, I think, uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to see him maybe make a move and the rest of the bullpen if you know, they've got a couple of young guys down there, but, you know, they've been stepping up and uh, they've been doing a job. Yeah, is this kind of a unique situation as far as they're excelling a little bit before I think most people probably anticipated. Uh, they're probably a year ahead of schedule. And let's see what they do as far as do they want to go all in versus balancing out, not handcuffing the team next year, the year after that, because it seems like a long process. Kind of like, do you see this situation like the Houston Astros in the mid-2010s when they were the worst team in baseball and then – what five years later, Sports Illustrated picked they were going to win the World Series in 2017, and then they did. Like, is that the yeah. trajectory that this franchise is on right now? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, because uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was like, well, you know, are they going to lose another hundred and see what happens, and and this and that, and they got off to a rough start, and at, at uh, they were 12 and 16 after the first month, but that's better than three and 22 a year a year ago. That's yeah. what they did, you know. I mean, it was, it was like, wow, they, they won 12 games in a month. And I, I, you know, back then we couldn't remember when they did that the last time. So, uh, but yeah, I, th I think that, you know, each team rebuilds. I mean, you see what the Miami Marlins, uh, you know, eh, you know, former Florida Marlins have done. They, 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 co they totally like, they, you know, junk their roster. They get, they rebuild and then all of a sudden they win the title and then they do it again. And I think this is, you know, the Reds are, the Reds are doing it though by the farm system. They've always done that years and years and years in the past of, you know, they've been able to draft gems like a De La Cruz and, and a Matt McClain and a, and a, and a Hunter Green and those type of guys. And uh, they just work them through the system. And now Reds fans are, uh, you know, they're ecstatic. There's 30 some thousand instead of five or 10,000 in the seats every game. And uh, you know, it's, it's exciting again to be uh, here and then, you know, you got the, you know, the, the Bengals started it all, you know, a couple, you know, with, with them going to the Super Bowl. And, and, and now, you know, it's like they, they, you know, now it's like you got to win one. 
uh, you know, you got there one time, you got to go to, you got to go again and win it. And then uh, the soccer team here in town, FC Cincinnati has been in first place. Uh, they're like 13 and one in, in major league soccer and they've come out of nowhere. So uh, I don't know. It's um, it's exciting time to be in uh, Cincinnati right now as a sports fan. They have Cincinnati. They have the Reds having a 20% chance to win the play, or make the playoffs right now. And the Brewers are still at, I think like 50, like over 50% chance to make the playoffs yeah. despite them being tied right now. I think in the standings as it stands right now, as we're doing this interview, is that, I mean, just consider just how much of a run Cincinnati has been on. Is that kind of disrespectful to the Reds? I mean, I guess the Brewers are kind of just going off their history in the last, right. you know, five years or so. But just talk about, like, how disrespectful that is to the Reds, just considering that the run they've had in the past, uh, you know, yeah. week or two. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they 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 got some national pub in this uh, 12-game streak. Uh, but I think people were just waiting for them to, to uh, collapse. And then they lost three in a row. And then you take, then you, then uh, the past couple of nights, they won at Baltimore, who is a good team. The Orioles have got a good team. And that's another one that has like, you know, they were down last year. And then all of a sudden, look where they are. If uh, they'd be, a, they'd be in probably first place if Tampa Bay wouldn't have gotten off to what went in 30 in a row or whatever they did. So, um, you know, but I, I yeah, I think I think uh, you know this town gets uh, disrespected by a lot of people because they just don't. You know, I mean, they've been losers for a long time. I mean, look at the Bengals, look at the Reds. I mean, they've they've really. I mean, their last World Series title was in and you know was in in nineteen ninety, and uh, it, it's like everybody else has kind of been winning here and there, and you got other winning cities, and and now all of a sudden it's like, hey, you got to put Cincinnati on the radar and see what happens. So. I think they're uh, they're just playing with uh, maybe a chip on their shoulder down there, and they got a, just got a lot of young guys, and they just don't, you know, they they don't, you know, they're not worried about this, they're not worried about that. They just go out and play and see what happens. Is this kind of the uh, new age of sports where a lot of these smaller markets are finally getting their name recognized? I mean, Kansas City probably arguably the yeah. best team in football right now. Uh, Denver just won the NBA title. Uh, Vegas, Vegas as well. Yeah, I mean yep. Vegas. Uh, uh, franchise i'm an expansion team for only six years just won the nhl uh and then obviously you you mentioned uh the soccer team in cincinnati top of the league right now uh reds we're talking about right now doing amazing it just is this kind of the year i mean this kind of like a new era in sports where like these smaller market teams are finally you know overpowering these bigger markets i mean you even look at baseball right now the biggest payers are doing underperforming the teams that spend all this money are actually underperforming and then the teams that are usually known to be a little bit more stingy and at the bottom of the barrel are actually outperforming right now. So just what are your yeah, thoughts I, on I that? agree with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, there, there's a team uh, coming in this weekend, the San Diego Padres here to Cincinnati. And uh, they got, I mean, they got guys that should have uh, 50 home runs by the all-star break and Juan Soto and uh, Fernando Tatis and Mar- Manny Machado aren't doing anything. And uh, they're in uh, what fourth place, eleven games out as a Friday, and uh, you know that's that, and that's a, and you know they went out and spent big money. The, look at the New York Mets. I mean, look at the, they're, they're you know those people must be going crazy. And then another team that's uh, that that it's at the usually at the top of the list in the Central is the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they've been uh, they've been brutal all year long, and and usually that's you know they're they're the they're the kings of the crop as uh, far as the NL central is concerned for years. And now, you know, there's rumblings in St. Louis of this and that, and this guy's going to get traded. And, and I'm thinking, you know, that, that it's, it's the direct opposite Cincinnati and St. Louis swapping spots now that, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, they, they should be battling the Cardinals and the Cardinals have been in last, I think they've been last place almost since day one of the season. So you're right. I think uh, that uh, some of these uh, smaller towns, that uh, can't afford, um, you know, like the Denver's and, and that, and, and, you know, can't afford to go out and get players like the Yankees uh, go through it through the draft and that stuff. And, and look, and look what it's, uh, you know, you're seeing the fruits of your labor right now. Let's uh, switch to the Bengals now upcoming uh, this NFL season. Uh, are they pretty much the favorites now to win the uh, NFC East? Or I mean, yeah, I mean, are they the pretty much the favorites to um to, uh, AFC North. In the AFC. <laughs> AFC North. I don't know yeah. where that came. Yeah, AFC North. Excuse maybe, me. Maybe maybe I'll they'll play the both. Maybe they'll maybe they'll play a twenty-four game schedule and play both. How's that? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
They might be playing the Eagles in the Super Bowl. That's right. Possibly. <laughs> but I, just I think they I think they've got a I think the boys they got a very good chance of uh, of going back to the Super Bowl. I mean they, they got a heck of a, and, you know they have a they had a heck of a schedule last year and what reeled off after this after their bye week reeled off what about 8 or 9 or 10 in a row yeah. uh, to make the playoffs and and uh, you know and it, and it's all because of uh, number 9 back there and getting the ball to three talented uh, wide receivers and um, and a, and, a, and a running back and a defense that has been, you know, that's been revamped and an offensive line that does have some questions, but they, the Bengals went out and, and paid big money for some offensive linemen, which they needed to do. And uh, you know, the schedule that I'm looking at here in the studio uh, is not that doesn't look, it's not that uh, easy uh, at Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, they got uh, at Cleveland uh, home against Baltimore and the LA Rams come here in the first three weeks. So uh, that's a little bit of a tall task. Then they go to Tennessee and then they face Arizona. So it's not, it's not a, you know, they're not giving them an easy route uh, to get back to the Super Bowl. But I think they're the, they're the favorites in the AFC North. I think with Lamar Jackson coming back in Baltimore, I think they have to be a favorite. Uh, you don't know about Pittsburgh too much. I mean, with their quarterback situation and also, uh, you know, Cleveland with Deshaun Watson and that with, with that, with those guys. But I think uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore will will battle it out. And uh, Cincinnati, they, I saw some one prediction the other day that the, somebody predicted the Bengals were going to go fourteen and three. And I thought if they go fourteen and three with this, uh, w- you know, they better give them some kind of trophy at the end of the season. At least some saying, "Hey, man, you know that's a that's a, that's a heck of a schedule you guys played, and uh, you know you got it done." But uh, I, I think that I think they're going to go back and they're going to go into playoffs and. All they got to do is get over that hurdle called uh, Patrick Mahomes and and uh, and and those guys in Kansas City, and I think uh, they they would lo- I would love to see a Super Bowl title here. Yeah, they go fourteen and three. Their trophy is going to be the number one seed in the AFC in all likelihood. Right. Um, yeah. So we talked about Joe Burrow's contract earlier. What about the T Higgins situation? Is there a realistic thought that they're going to be able to re-sign Burrow, Chase, and T Higgins potentially Tyler well, Boyd as well? That's the uh, that that's the million dollar that, that's the millions dollar question right there because uh, I I don't think Chase I don't think Jamar Chase is going anywhere with his ties to Burrow. Yeah. Uh, they may they may have to you know they may have to uh, you know look at it and go uh, was it Higgins is it Higgins or is it Boyd and they may have to just choose I don't know but uh, who knows I mean they might be able to rework and 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 Joe Burrow's the type of guy he's saying you know I want you know, a 10 year deal at $500 million or whatever. And he is on, he is, uh, he's been quoted as saying, look, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'm going to get the big money, but I also want, you know, money to be there for the, for the other players so they can keep this core group together. And Zach Taylor and his uh, coaching staff have come in here and uh, they have bought into everything that they talk about. And uh, it's, you know, they're not, they're not losing again, but uh, it's, it's that's the that that's the big question is like, you know, one, once Burrow gets done, how much is left in the till for for the rest of these guys? And then they'll see what happens. How about the running back situation? They don't have uh, there's a lot of rumors about whether they're going to cut Joe Mixon or not. But Samaje right. P. Ryan's now with the Denver Broncos. Like, what, yep. what's the deal there? Uh, well, the Joe Mixon thing is uh, interesting. He was uh, he was in Hamilton County Court today. Uh, and he didn't do nothing at his house. It was somebody else that was shooting at these kids that they were goofing around at his house. And, uh, but I, I it, well, and then what well, the other thing was that he, um, he uh, allegedly uh, uh, sported a gun toward a lady in, in a road rage incident on the way to the uh, Buffalo playoff game uh, last year. And then there was an incident at his house a couple of months ago. And uh, I don't know that that's going to be a very interesting question. I mean, it's, you know, I guess they, 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 the, the team says that they want, they want mixing around and they want this and that, but I don't know if the courts is going to say something against it or, uh, you know, but I mean, like you said, P, uh, Samaj P Ryan went to Denver and, uh, they do have a couple other guys there, but nothing like a Joe Mixon. So I, I would say that if everything goes right, I, I would say maybe Mixon's probably going to stay around for a while. What are the uh, Bengals thinking about just the AFC in general? I mean, it's obviously much stronger than the NFC. Is the thoughts 
basically being that they have to win the division to have a chance to make the playoffs, or is their record going to be good enough that they even could be in a wild card if they have to? Say the say the Ravens do, you right. know, really are the best team in the AFC North surprisingly this year. Is is the thought that they have to make the win the division to make the playoffs, or are they going to be fine in the wild card? Well, I think I mean everybody wants to win the division. I think they're going to shoot for the division and and battle the Ravens all the way because, like I said, I, I don't know what. You know Pittsburgh is uh, is you know that you know about the 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 quarterback situation there, and then the Cleveland Browns are I think a, a question mark in that. But uh, I think it's going to be Cincinnati and Baltimore, and they're not going to be satisfied. I mean, if they make the they make it as a wild card, they make it as a wild card. But they're going to shoot for the AFC uh, you know North Championship, and then uh, get that top seed. And like I said, man, I mean these days. Uh, the AFC goes through one place, and that's in the middle of the country in Kansas City, and uh, that's the only that's the only team I think they have to knock off to uh, you know to eventually win a Super Bowl. If you can get by Patrick Mahomes and and um, and those guys, I think uh, then you you got a pretty good shot of winning it all. Do you take do you take any stock in the uh, Super Bowl hangover? Do you do you take any uh, like notion of that, or do you think that's all a bunch of uh blown out of proportion a little bit. No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, they, they were very disappointed obviously to, to lose the way they did against the Rams, but you know, they made it and they, and they got the team stronger. And uh, I think they're even more hungry now to get back and say, Hey, look, you know, we, we you know, we're going to, we, you know, you, you got to get back there to win it again or to, to win it. And then, you know, they, they've had a taste of it, but it's, it's, it, I don't think it's a real bitter taste. I think it's one, you know, you, yeah, you lost, but, you were right there at the at the, at the end of the uh, game against the Rams, and you got and you almost got the job done. And now it's time to get back in there and get back to it and win it. And I think that you know with uh, with uh, uh, number nine back there, he's not he's not, you know he's not going to sit down and and wait for second place or something. He's gonna he's gonna shoot for it all, and uh, and he's gonna take the rest of them with him. Yeah, I know it was funny last last year when Tyreek Hill left the. Kansas City, they were all saying how they might not even make the playoffs. Uh, right. Kansas City. And, you know, we all saw how that kind of happened. Yeah. Well, Bill, this has been awesome. We really appreciate your time. Uh, I don't know anything else you want to mention about Cincinnati sports, just in general. I, I think you gave us a pretty uh, good good <laughs> argument as to why they're the most exciting city right now in sports. But anything else you want to you want to mention as we as we head out here? Yeah. Tell uh, the, the I'm, I'm a big race fan. If you guys got connections to NASCAR. Tell them to uh, bring back, bring it back to Kentucky Speedway, and then I'll be very happy. Oh, I'll I, be, I, I'm with you. I, I can be I can be on your show every day if you wanted me to. If we got the Kentucky Speedway back, <laughs> we 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 missed that. But I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, all the best to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Bill. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, you Bill. got it, man. Thank you. Uh, Take Bill care. Bill Edison, 700 WLW uh, from Cincinnati. We'll uh, appreciate your time, Bill, and we'll do this again sometime. Okay. Yes, sir. No problem. Anytime. All right, take care. Thanks, Take Bill. care. Bye-bye. That interview was brought to you by Philly Drinkers. The Continental Sports Podcast has partnered with Philly Drinkers, the go-to place for the greatest sports clothing that you can get your hands on. They specialize in partying hard and looking great while doing it. Owned and operated by diehard sports fans, they don't just love sports, they love what sports stand for. Most importantly, they understand that you always want to rep your favorite team anywhere you go, whether it be a sporting event or grabbing a couple of drinks with the guys. Their apparel and products always have unique designs and slogans, all while bringing out great vibes. Head to phillydrinkers.com today and get your one-of-a-kind merchandise. Philly Drinkers, always party. Okay, let's finish up the show with Off the Map and Long Hauls of the Week. Uh, Justin, who is your Off the Map of the Week? My Off the Map of the Week is Estri Ruiz. From the Oakland Athletics, almost soon to be the Las Vegas Athletics, unfortunately. But he is a building block for the organization. He is the leader of stolen bases in Major League Baseball throughout the first half with 40 stolen bases. He's 24 years old, Dominican sensation. I think he's going to be a good building block for the organization. And stolen bases is definitely something that the media is not talking about too much in baseball. I know stolen bases are kind of fading away, but I want to see more steals in baseball. I think that makes the game more exciting, especially. Zach, who's your off the map of the week? 
Uh, off the map, a guy that maybe people have forgotten about, that's Harrison Barnes, re-signing with the Sacramento Kings, three-year, $54 million contract. He averaged 15 points a game last season, shot 55% on two-pointers, the second-highest percentage of his career. And he was one of three players that started all 82 games last year, along with Mikhail Bridges and uh, Nikola Vucevic from the Bulls. And uh, another tough name, it's hard to pronounce. But, you know, he's a guy that has turned around the Sacramento King franchise. He's been there since uh, 2016, 2017, and he's become one of the more underrated players, I think, in the league. We all remember what he did with Golden State uh, early on in his career. But Harrison Barnes kind of off the map, getting getting his payday. And I think people forget how good of a player he is, turning that Kings organization around. They're going to be around for a little bit. So uh, Harrison Barnes off the map. I'm going to go with uh... – the number 20 pick in the NBA draft this year for my off the map of the week. Mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Cam Whitmore from Villanova uh, got picked number 20th overall. Uh, I think they, that, that's a big steal. Houston got a big steal in this draft. A lot of uh, speculation and concern over his health of his knee. Uh, there were reports saying that it was a minor yellow flag, and then there were reports of a you know a major red flag. There's also concerns with his attitude and practice. Uh, again, kind of a spectrum. A lot of people are saying that he's has no motivation in practice. And uh, there's others saying that it's not really that big of a deal. But regardless, he's a fantastic player, uh, super athletic, uh, great scorer. Uh, not the first player either that had health concerns coming into the league. I mean, you look at Malcolm Brogdon, Michael Porter Jr., Robert Williams, OG Ananobi. Uh, I mean, his motivation can be coached. You can get him out of that. But talent in athleticism is much harder to develop, and that takes years, which he already has going to the league. He's going to be one of the most explosive picks out of this draft in, in the next uh, year or two. And I, and I would say even within three, four years, he'll be averaging 20 points a game in uh, whatever team he's playing on, if it's not Houston. And I expect him to be one of the best players from this draft. So, yeah, that's my off the map of the week. Uh, Cam Whitmore, uh, Houston pick number 20. Expect them to be pretty good uh, this, uh, two to three years from now, uh, despite the concerns that you know pretty much made him fall all the way on the draft board. I know a lot of people had him, uh, you know, top five, and for him to drop all all the way down to twenty for Houston to steal was uh, great for Houston. Uh, long hauls, uh, sack. Who's your long haul of the week? Hi, long haul of the week. We're going outside the sports world. We're going to Ryan Seacrest, taking over as the host of Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak uh, retiring after this upcoming year. Uh, Ryan Seacrest, of course, we all know he hosted American Idol. He's been doing uh, reality TV, been on these shows for a lot of years. It's going to be interesting to see how he does as a game show host because I contend that the Wheel of Fortune job might be one of the easiest jobs in the world because you just stand there, you ask people where they're from, you let the other people spin the wheel. You don't actually have to do it. And by the way, you're not walking around touching the letters. That's Vanna White's job. So what does the host of Wheel of Fortune actually do? Kudos to Pat Sajak for making a nice career out of it. I'm sure Ryan Seacrest will probably do the same thing. But, I mean, you talk about the easiest job in the world and the guy gets paid handsomely. Ryan Seacrest will be paid handsomely to stand there and ask people where they're from, just make conversation, which we all do on a regular basis. So good, good job if you can get it. Long yeah. haul, Ryan Seacrest. I saw him leave Kelly and Ryan in the morning. I wasn't sure if that was the reason why. I mean, I don't think it would be. I think, what, they film all their episodes a year in three, four days in Wheel of Fortune, don't they? I yeah, it's, somewhere it's, around it's, there. It's just, right. So I, can't, I, I did notice that he did leave Kelly and Ryan in the morning, and I wasn't sure if that was the reason why. But like I said, I highly doubt it, just considering the fact that they do all the recordings for a year within like three, four days. So it doesn't take up that much time. And it's like you said, Zach, definitely a good gig. My long haul of the week, uh, Damian Lillard, he's not going to leave Portland. Uh, I'm tired of hearing about it. Uh, he wants to stay in Portland at least this year. Maybe next year he might consider it, but I think this year I don't see him leaving Portland. Uh, Portland is super loyal to him. He's not going to be traded out or shipped out unless he actually asks for it, which I don't see him doing anytime soon. So that's my long haul of the week is uh, Damian Lillard. Uh, sick of hearing him having to leave or maybe leaving and it's just not going to happen. So, Justin, who's your long haul of the week? My long haul of the week is the New York Jets. So this offseason, they've been running their mouth pretty much a lot. You don't really have an offensive line. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has been around a lot in the news. But the good news is for the Jets, it's a good thing that they're going to be on hard knocks this year, potentially. 
Uh, that's going to be that's going to be one interesting one, especially with Aaron Rodgers in the building and with the way the Jets have been talking a lot this offseason, saying we're the best team and you know and they're going to be in a tough AFC, especially in that division with the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins if Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy. But I think it's good that the Jets are going to be on hard knocks, and uh, that's my long haul of the week. All right. Well, good show, boys. Uh, any predictions as we head out? Probably not this time of the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have I have no predictions myself. Uh, any any Justin, Zach, any of you two? Oh, uh, my only prediction will be something will happen over the next couple of days, and we actually have to talk about next week. Hopefully, and. Uh, my prediction is no current NFL players will be putting fireworks in their hand a la Jason Pierre Paul. I think they <laughs> learned from that. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's my, prediction. <laughs> that's where we're at. Somebody will get hurt by fireworks this weekend. That's my, that's preferably not majorly hurt, but maybe like a minor injury, like a burn, like a little, like, you know, rash or burn is going to happen this weekend from 4th of July activities and ESPN will make it breaking news because they need to make something breaking news in order to stay relevant in this time of the year. But yeah, that's my prediction. Uh, Justin, anything for you? I guess there'll be something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's hope for that uh, for next show. And then uh, but, but until then, we'll, we'll see you all next time and uh, keep on traveling.